Coming to you live, this is your MTG Action Forward News Team. Hello, this is MTG Action 4 News, your news team for keeping things fresh in the multiverse. I'm Mr. Combo number 5, providing you new ways to lose your friends. And we have Big Tuck, your breaking news source. Yes, and always remember, as the great Kill Jordan King Frederick the Great once said, A monarch crown is merely a hat that lets Big Tuck rain on the table. Squee McGee getting caught up on meta traffic with the Weatherlight Report. Oh, I'm bringing you the beat on the street. Then we have the head of CMD Tower himself. Well, since he literally never works, we brought in Ryan from Commander Ad Pop and Commander Cookout Podcast. Hey, yo. Hello. What's up, guys? What's going down? Oh, we're, we're going downtown. Hanging yeah. out in the toilet of uh, Canada, as I believe you're... you're <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, it was, it was quite hurtful, to be honest, but that's okay. <laughs> well, you know what? Truth be told, I'm surrounded by multiple toilets within Canada, the, the Canadian prairies to be exact. We, uh, we actually live in a pretty nice city. And oh, yeah. we're surrounded by a bunch of dumps, including the one that I actually came from. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Saskatoon's nice. Well, glad you made it out. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Yeah, <laughs> pleasure to be here. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in to your number six source of Magic the Gathering news. We don't give a shit about the Cynicruel anymore. We don't care that we are nominated. Go to hell. Yeah, that's I guess that's it. It's <laughs> over. Boom, and boom, we're go. done with it. And boom, goes the dynamite. Bit. Uh, we're going to start off the top of the cast of Ladies and Carnage, then ensued with... 45! So, um, I want to talk about a game. I debuted a new deck. So, Ryan, to kind of give you some perspective, uh, me and Tuck are on this. Well, Tuck's already surpassed it, but I'm still on my path to 32. <laughs> one deck of every single color. But I refuse to give in to the trash four-color ones that Wizard stuck us with. I got a CEDH deck that's Brea Colors, and I got into tracks of Super Friends, but the other three are just trash. Didn't want to do it. Well, we got a friend in our playgroup called The Goad. Uh, and he has a Marisi deck. He got all white hot yeah. and hard uh for all those goad cards that came out maybe um, red hot and hard it, I, could be well white hot is technically hotter than red well and he also he also, science he, he also called we, he started a really ugly trend of calling dibs on a commander for the playgroup before anyone else could yeah so that's yeah, just that's, continuing that's through this day <laughs> but um i started kind of looking at kirinos and tira of Melitus, and i was like huh could, I, I mean, I think they're not that great of a commander. It's like this weird illusion of group hug. Big Tuck actually has a deck of them. It's like regular friends. Which we did on the show, too, which is going to be funny when yes. we revisit it in a couple weeks. <laughs> um, but I decided, could I make this into a goad deck? A What I call, KT says, goad me another one. So, debuted the deck this last Sunday. Um, and let me tell you, the first game was abysmal. And it wasn't because the deck performed bad. It was because Friend of the Cast Duff debuted his uh, Rune of the Hidden Realm deck. And that was just awful. The blinking, the stacks, it just made me want to cry. But game number two, I was able to get this deck out. Um, the interesting thing is it never got a goad effect on the board, but I was able to get out like Sandworm Convergence when Duff had dragons. And he was like, well, I guess I have to just kill this other player because everyone had to attack. And then I ended up winning the game, funny enough, by making it to where his creatures could not block my two worms and actually playing um, 
Gis not Gisela. What's the half uh, damage? Yeah, that's Gisela. No, Gisella, it's Gisella. Blade of yeah. Yeah, yeah, Gisella, Blade of Gold Knight. Uh, I ended up playing that, and I was like, I swing at you, Duff, and he had one blocker, and he was at 10 life, and he's like, oh, okay, I block. And initially in my head, it was, oh, yeah. well, I'm just going to put him down to five, and I was like, wait a minute. And it kind of had that uh, illusion from the movie 21 happen. All the numbers <laughs> ran across, and I was like, I think you're dead. And yeah, sure enough, he died, and uh, of course, that whole game, he had just been destroying our friend Davis's board, so uh, I think Davis swung in with a four-two yeah. into my five-five first strike because he just wanted to do something. Yeah, David, yeah. Davis. <laughs> Davis is well known for his threat on the magic table, so good thing he causing, got things on, causing the apt chaos, oh. if you will. But it was fun because I will say I was able to cast my one of only two win cons in the deck, Approach of the Second Sun, on turn four. Ooh. And I was really, and then I started gambling uh, by shuffling my library, course, hoping to get it back to the top. Didn't happen, but I was able to at least get a win on game two. Uh, Ryan, have you played any games recently? Like, what's your guys' magic scene and EDH look like now that it's kind of this uh, distance life? Well, you know what? We live in a particularly low population density part of the country. Like, the city that I live in is only about 300,000 people, and there's oh. a couple game stores. Is that big or is that small? Small. Small, okay. I, I don't know. Is it Kansas City only half a million? It's three, no, it's three no, million no, no, no. in... Oh, metro the, area. The yeah. metros, yeah, like never mind. Yeah, I mean our metro area, air quotes, metro area is three hundred thousand, <laughs> and it's very spread out, big time urban sprawl because we're in the prairies. So okay. our economy is opening, and we can get to our LGS, and like they're having their first F and M next week or the week after the oh, prairies. Wow. But everybody's got to wear masks. But we've sure. been playing a lot of VEDH. The last game I played, admittedly, was a couple weeks ago. I was playing my five color Child of Alara deck. And it, oh, actually, no. it actually does play a, a Kano Sentiro of Miletus in there because it allows me to play okay. extra lands. It's not like, it's not the Staxi control the board, sure. drink child. And, mm -hmm. it, and it existed before the rules change came into effect too. I had a Child of Alara deck randomly and an Alenda the Dusk Rose deck randomly. Oh, wow. oh, coincidentally, I had both of those because I don't give a crap about my commanders going to the graveyard. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a commander what's the word try Centric. hard <laughs> it's a try hard I, I, but I am a commander try hard I don't care if they go to the graveyard I'll just play them again or I'll just yard them and leave them there like as long as Child of Alara dies one time I'm probably going to win right it, it's a lands deck there's 66 lands in it Whoa! It, oh, wow. it, plays, it plays very akin to the old school legacy lands deck you know the legacy lands deck that has like 42 land in it or whatever mm -hmm. so it's just a lot of graveyard a lot of scape shift splendid reclamation and the the kicker is like an ad nauseum end of turn end of player force turn you ad nauseum and because you have 66 lands in in the deck you can pretty much almost draw the entire deck. I think the combined converted mana cost of every single card in the deck that isn't ad nauseum is like 54 or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> After my Ikoria updates, when all of my triomes come in, all the islands, all the triomes that are islands are getting added, and then Mystic Sanctuary, yeah. because it's an island too, they're all fetchable. And the Mystic Sanctuary will let me get back like a Sphinx's Rev or an Ad Nauseam if I devalue cast them early in the game. And the the Mystic Sanctuary is going to allow me to take out like a like a restock or a regrowth effect to both add another land and drop average CMC for Ad Nauseam. So it's a pretty cool deck. 
Yeah, sounds wow. like it. Wow. So, so, like, what's your win out in that deck? Well, there's a couple. There is a mana bond. After you ad nauseum, you can either play an extra land or get an extra green, and you can put a mana bond into your hand or onto the battlefield with that green. And it says at the end okay. of turn, you can put every land card from your hand onto the battlefield. What? And you oh, that's like 45 <laughs> or 60 land in, in your hand. <laughs> Gross. And you have the landfall, your opponent loses a life cards, like retreat to hell. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Tunneling GOP. <laughs> if that isn't what you want to do, or if you don't have the mana to do it, there's also a uh, sickening dreams. Is that the black one? As an additional cost, discard X cards and each player lose or each player takes X damage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about the dream cycle with uh, Sabrina thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can you can cast that with like a glacial chasm in play and just take no damage. <laughs> I'm judging you off that glacial chasm, by the way, just like immediately. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That 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 sounds like a very non Child of Lara deck. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Child of Lara is just something way different than that uh, i just that sounds really cool to play against it's so um, cool not gonna lie. i wrote an article about it on face to face games.com if you guys want it i'll shoot you the link yeah please do yeah, yeah, sure. be, that'd be awesome to see it well tuck are there any games that you have played that you would like to talk about i'd like to talk about a game um that i have you to thank mr combo for the win so we decided mm. oh god <laughs> <laughs> so i thought you were gonna talk about this one when you were talking about your goad deck and be like this is one of the games you played of course because it's your new deck you're gonna play it like six times every weekend uh until you get it down so again i struggle from the opposite so we talked a week or two ago about um, my Brea deck and we did our Bruise and Build podcast which again is completely different people as we've discussed many times uh, <laughs> and some sort of mirror universe and we decided to quote unquote power it down by adding in the Zerda <laughs> companion and cutting a bunch of cards to make Ryan, it they got so much worse to, yes so um, <laughs> in reality what happened is I cut all of the chaff cards that were fun and put in a bunch of mana rocks and a bunch of other gas and it got to the point where like the only the only pro play i really feel proud of in this because i won off a combo believe it was uh duffman uh previously mentioned lookalike to our guest uh he i thought i knew he had a million counter spells so i was like okay i could bait one out of him maybe two and do that so i cast a spell to try to exile his commander he took the bait and countered it and then i played like two artifacts no one could do anything and then the next turn in the ensuing brouhaha and misunderstanding of what um uh what's the what's the goad gal the or the goad guy the the marisi yeah marisi in, in terms of not knowing what marisi's abilities do i ended up infinite comboing out three to i i could have infinite comboed out in that game in four different ways i think which makes me feel really yeah. bad and uh i put it back in its box and hoping never to see it again <laughs> Yeah, because it was hilarious. He ended up going to combat and then doing his infinite combo there. And Kevin thought he could counter spell. Uh, and it's like, nope, Marisi stops all right. the opponents from casting stuff during combat. And you didn't have to cast a spell during combat. Nope. You just had to activate abilities. And on top of that, he was like, okay, but I could have done that and do this. I'm like, okay, great. So let's play that out. And I still win in post-combat main phase. So, again, Bran is a disgusting commander. And I feel unclean for running her. But, you know. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, well, Squee, are there any games that you want to highlight? Well, that's going to wrap up a 40 Life in a Dash. <laughs> so to move on to what's the play. 
Uh, yeah, it's Squeeze Breeze here this week. Uh, sorry, I've been recording vocals on a project I've been working on and producing for a couple of years, and it's been uh, busy on my nights and my weekends. So I'll be back soon. But well, there you go. In the yeah. meantime, we're gonna make some good music for you. Oh yeah. Well, that that actually does wrap up Forty Lines. <laughs> now to cover what's going on in your local multiverse. What's the plane chase? So we actually got this suggestion, I believe, from our Discord from Chuck the Slice. I want to say. Uh, uh, no, no, this was from me, my man. Oh, the, this, yeah, that's right. This is something you had brought up on a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. on an Empty Jackson Four News that you didn't want to stir the pot, but you wanted to throw it out there. And actually, yep. this is the perfect conversation thing to do with Ryan on because I know Ryan, as a part of Commander Ad Pop, likes to talk about like Magic Community and you know how do you like interact with players and I feel like this is a little bit of that so what we wanted to talk about today is should your meta change dictate influence how you build decks so we have four different categories or topics that we're going to be covering a just overall should you build your deck to your meta b should you pick your commander to your meta C, should you add the quote-unquote hate cards for particular decks or players in your meta? And then lastly, does the meta scaling or the meta changes, additions, subtractions depend on the number of decks you own? So do you do it if you have five decks, but not if you have six decks? Things like that. So let's start this off with should you guys build your deck to your meta just from an overall perspective not getting into specifics and personally for me i think it's just hard to not naturally build against your meta because if you know the four or five people that you play against as you're building a deck you just kind of naturally reached for the rest in peace if you know that one person is a uh, you know disgusting graveyard whoremonger like uh, Joey Schultz uh, over at EDH Red Cast uh, <laughs> loves his graveyard, and so I could see if I was in his play group when I'm building a deck with white, I would just naturally be like, oh, I need this. Like I think for my our play group, I kind of naturally grab counter magic when I'm building a deck because we have so many very big splashy powerful cards and combos in our deck that I'm just naturally like I need these answers and responses um, it's not something I try to do but I think I just do it but mm-hmm. I do think in general you should not be building decks to your meta because your meta can always change you could move you could go to a, a command fest you could go to a magic fest if you know if you guys are listening to this 10 years from now i know we've never seen anyone in person for the last decade those used to be magic gatherings where hundreds of smelly people gathered in a room and played cards together so uh ryan what do you kind of think do you think you should be building decks or tuning your decks to your meta from an overall uh, aspect yeah, I think that the answer to that question is a little bit three-dimensional in that the competitive the competitiveness of your meta will dictate what kind of actions you want to run and what kind of responses you want to run but also the size of your meta do you play with the same three or four or five people or do you play at a generally larger local game store where you could play Mm -hmm. against any three of per pod any three of you know 30 or 40 or 50 people 
if the answer is you're playing low competition level commander versus the same three people all the time, yes, you're going to build to your meta because you're going to say, you know, Joe Blow over there always packs this. I'm going to pack this response that's going to beat him. Or he always right. tries to like combo off on turn five. So I got to combo off on turn four. Right. If you're okay. if you move that into there's four kind of quadrants, right? If you move that to low competition, bigger meta it becomes harder because everybody's playing literally anything in low competition magic, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like wizard, but not human tribal or human, but not wizard tribal, like (laughs) ooze tribal, sitting in chairs, tribal, right? Like, how do you build against that? But as soon as, even if your meta is bigger, if you go all the way to the other end of the spectrum and you're talking about CEDH, it's like, Hmm. Okay. I know that there's going to be a Thrasios and Timna deck. I know that there's going to be a insert CEDH deck Mm -hmm. that I have to be able to beat. And then you could be playing against like one or three of any 400 people at a CEDH tournament. If those exist in that size (laughs) post pandemic, but you know exactly what you're going to have to build against. So it's very three dimensional. There's those four quadrants that are like, yes and no. That's that's a very long way to say yes and no, but generally I think <laughs> if you have a group of friends, you want to build what is going to be fun for everybody. That's fair. Yeah. Tuck, what do you think? Um, so I have a couple of thoughts on that. So one is to your point, Ryan, of if you keep playing with the same people, you might see this thing, with I, which I call a nuclear arms race, where one person builds a really powerful <laughs> deck, and then another person builds a powerful deck to counter it, and then you're sitting there with like your battle cruiser, so you're like, okay, well, I can't even play because these people have done this, right? Um, so I think, like, I, I to your point, I think it depends on where you play, right? So when I was living in Chicago, here we are. Hello. Uh, I would play with like the people at work and they would they were building more powerful more like streamlined kind of decks then I'd go to the LGS um, sometimes which also had like a wild you know like you said it's wild wild west and then I'd also play against people in like my local friend group who didn't go to the LGS and you know only had a handful of decks and that sort of thing so I think like for me as opposed to like trying to build to the meta what I what I think and actually I was talking to single Aaron about this earlier today I think the way I deck build is like, okay, so you can kind of have an answer for everything, right? Like you have a way to deal with the land, you have a way to deal with the graveyard, you have like a board wipe, a counter spell, spells that can't be countered, whatever. And then that way, if you do bring your deck to these different groups, there's different locations, you don't need to swap out cards and be worried that you don't have it, right? So you can still kind of build, you can you can deck build no matter, you can deck build um, and go and play in whatever meta you want. However, if you are someone who is like, a little more competitive or you want you know it gets tricky just depending on what you want from the game in my opinion um if you just want to like if, if everywhere you go you're just like i'm just gonna play a deck and you know win or lose as long as i'm having fun that's one thing but if you want to be like i want to bring a deck where no matter i can go i have a i have a shot to play i have a shot to win um there's just kind of ways to build around that so personally i'm against and also as someone who's effectively been a nomad since he was 23, um, it's also been impossible until recently to even think about that. But now that I've been in Kansas City for a while and we're playing with a much smaller group, um, those thoughts have crossed my mind. But again, I think it's less of building to a meta and less of like building your deck to be resilient against other kind of deck archetypes and deck styles. Mm-hmm. Squee, what about you? Uh, I kind of resonate a little bit with Big Tuck there. So in my mind, 
it's inevitable. You're going to build a deck at some point if you play with a meta long enough that will go and fit in that meta and do well in mm-hmm. that meta because that's who you play. And if you're not playing against other people, those are, that's your group. I, I, I really don't see any way out of that because that's what you know in Magic. Maybe you've never played Magic before and this is what you know about Magic or maybe you have played a lot, but this is still what you know right now about Magic. These are the people in the decks and the, the competitive levels that you're playing against. So I don't try to build decks against a meta per se, but I honestly don't believe that's possible. Yeah. Um, just because that's who you're playing against. So I, I kind of almost have like an outside looking in viewpoint of it where uh, I don't think it's healthy to build specifically. And we have done this, Mr. Combo and I can, <laughs> I can relate heavily on this subject. Uh, we have done this in the past where we had a very small, like three, four, five group of people and yeah, you would specifically just build a deck to shut <laughs> one deck down, and it was awful. You get in arguments, people were angry. Like, I, I just don't think it promotes the kind of like vibe and spirit that Commander has. Um, but yeah, I think it's inevitable at some point you're going to build a deck, and if you're building a new deck, it's going to be in the back of your mind always that, yeah, I'm going to probably be playing these group of people right. or this kind of deck or this style. So um, I. I generally would lean towards I'm against it, but at the same rate, I think in in my own realistic view, I don't think that you can a hundred percent lean into being against that all the way. So, you know, I think it's going to happen, but if you can make some fun decks, it's going to be something that happens, right? It's going to be something that is just, Hey, I know that I play, you know, these people, this is going to be, this is a good card. Your, your idea of what's good is based around what other people are playing. I think, I think all four of us are kind of saying the same thing. And I want to fall back on something that I always talk about on CCO. I always talk about on commander ad populum. It's that communication is key and the arms race and our, Arguing when somebody builds a very pointed deck, all of that is the result of people either not communicating or being ineffective communicators. And we all know how to speak. We can all talk. <laughs> like we can all read. We can all play magic. I think that it's important to get on the same page as the people that you're playing with on a consistent basis. So you can always be doing and having the same expectations. And that's the whole rule zero thing. Right. But that changes a little bit when it changes a little bit when you're playing with the same people all the time. Yeah. It's almost shortcutted. Hey, what are you playing? Oh, you're playing Zer. Got it. Then I'm going to switch decks. Right. And then everybody's on the same page. Everybody has the same expectations. The Zer decks better against my whatever deck I'm going to change. So it's like, just talk to each other. Don't try and snake Whoa. each other. Don't try and one up each other. Just talk mm-hmm. because as soon as you that's great. As soon as you start yeah. to meta against your friends, it's not going to be very fun. It's just mm-hmm. not going well, to. Well, and be. you know, f- funny thing about that though, Ryan, is when you kind of say like, "Oh, what are you playing, Zer? Okay, well, I'm not going to play this. I'm going to play this instead." We actually had a big issue with that in our play group, to where people would, you know, bring a deck. You know, say I would bring um, Atraxa Super Friends, we'll plant it down. So we'd be like, "Oh, you're playing Atraxa? Well, I'm not going to play this deck. Now I'm going to play this deck." And it'd be like, mm-hmm. "Well, that deck just hoses my oh, Super yeah, Friends it's, deck. It's not about uh, so I don't right. want to play this." And then so so like we've actually gone to all 
almost a, hey, what is everyone playing at the same time? Boom. And then we yeah. just kind of like show yeah, like, it. So then that way. Get a consensus on the power level of what you're doing and then drop everything down and see what happens. Yeah. It, among friends, yeah. it's not about scumbagging each other. Oh, you're playing super friends. I'm going to kill. I'm going to bring out my deck that kills planeswalkers. <laughs> That's not what it's about. Yeah. It's about right. getting on the same power level. And you mm-hmm. can achieve that after everybody knows what commanders everyone's plan right the guy that got knocked out first might grab the next deck for the next game if nobody's switching chairs the person pulls out their whatever deck and it's like a strong deck oh okay i'm not gonna play lord of tressorhorn next game i'm gonna grab you know i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna grab animal weather light report baby (laughs) right i'm gonna grab animar right it's gonna be it's gonna be a different experience next game and that's what it's about is the experience Yep, I now, agree. That, that makes sense. You know, the funny thing, and then we can move to the next topic. Tuck and I, you know, you would, because th- I have 40 decks, you have 52? Technically, I have 52 that are playable. <laughs> Okay, 52. And so a lot of times we like do this rotation through. So even like if I sit down with uh, like we, we did with Brando, my Brutoclad Seven Dwarf permanent tribal deck. Uh, and I sit down with that and our friend, say Forrest Day 2 Wong comes out with his, um, oh gosh, what's that Simic, but Tatiova. Oh, right, yeah. Just yeah. Fi- filthy yeah. Tatiova. I'll be like, well, this is gonna suck for me, but I, you know, I'm gonna play the deck right. and I'm gonna try to yeah. do it. See what and, happens. Yeah. Yeah, I, and this is a challenge for me. Let me just see if I can try to hose the take infinite extra turns, play a billion lands right, player. Right. Uh, but I think when you have fewer decks, you could probably do that towards like, oh, you did pick this powerful one. Let me kind of grab that, which maybe that's actually a disadvantage, Chuck, that you and I have. Because I think if we always pick the right deck for the right game, we would never get through all our decks. Yeah, well, I just play Prosh every other game, <laughs> too. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> Uh, all right. You gotta play a different deck every every week of the year. You got fifty two decks. Yeah. Well, technically, only technically only have forty seven sleeved, but yeah, it's a lot. And uh, sleeve does not disregard a deck. Well, sir. four of them are hey, four I, of them are still in box, so I don't know if that counts. Oh, uh, we just you know what? Yeah, no sleeves. Raw dog at ball yeah. eagle, baby. We just we just gave away a deck on Bald CCO. Eagle, I love it. We just gave away a deck on CCO. It was twenty five bucks all in. Brando in a separate envelope sent the winner a like an envelope packed full of rubber bands and said no sleeves no deck box this is how we store that deck <laughs> that's awesome yeah i i literally uh i think i took the what's the um sultai pre-con i can't remember is is that the mutate deck? yeah yeah i think yeah. that's a mutate yeah. deck yeah so actually i have uh one of our friends uh playing that one when he comes over to play on Sundays. He doesn't play often, but yeah, that's an absolute raw dog deck. And he's like, are you sure you want me to play with this? It's like, fuck yeah, go ahead. I took out all the good cards. The the deck's probably worth 15 bucks collectively now. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the next topic, guys, that we have is should you pick your commander per your meta? So, you know, Ryan, I'd like to start with you. Do you think, you know, once again, whether it's the, uh, on your kind of four quadrant, do you think you should be picking your commander based on your quadrant? Yes, but not per my quadrant example. (laughs) Okay. Your meta can mean multiple things. It could mean your friend group. I play Tuesday nights with Brando and the CCO Dude Bros. Very different magic experience, very different friend group experience than going and playing at EDH&M, our F&M that we play EDH at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
if I sat down with Chulane with the dude bros, they know I'm coming to ball. Right? Like, this is three-on-three street ball. Like, loser has to walk home with no pants. Right? If I take Chulane or if I play against Chulane at EDH&M at the local game store... The, the I don't have a Tulane deck. It's just an example. Sure, sure. The guy with Tulane sits down and says, "Hey, this is my this is my Bant deck that I swap out Tulane and the other two Bant commanders, and it's jank and it's life gain blink dot deck, right? Sure. You build your commander per your meta because there's different expectations when you're with your friends versus the general public, the gen pop, if you will. Sure, and. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the guy that sits down and misrepresents my Tulane deck because the one combo in it popped off on turn three against some stranger and his kid. But I also don't want to be the guy (laughs) that has to sit down and put Tulane on the table and say, oh, it's not that Tulane deck. Right. Sure. And then what if it is because I I run a combo in there because air quotes games got to end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not going to build Tulane because I don't want to run into that. And I also don't want to play life gain blink tribal dot deck. There's somewhere in between that I can find something else to do in in Bant if that's the color combo that I want to play that isn't mm-hmm. CEDH Light Chew Lane and Blink Life Gain Tribal mm. that I have to explain that it's Blink Life Gain Tribal. I'm just not going to build it. Okay. So the the, Makes sense. the negative space in do you pick your commander per your meta? The negative space says yes. So I'm going to pick not my commander. I'm not going to pick Tulane. I'm going to pick something else. Okay. Yeah. Chuck, what do you think? Um I just think it depends, right? Like I think for the most part people know that I'm not like building no matter what Mr. Combo's going to say, building hyper competitive decks for the most part. So like I think a good example here is to your point, like my Zerd deck is cycling dot deck, right? It's not a Zerd deck that just like wins through Zer stuff. But as soon as I play Zer, people say, oh, okay, well, you're playing Zer, so we're just going to kill you immediately. No matter how much I like hem and haw about, you know, it's just a cycling deck. I'm just going to go and get like slide with it or something like that. Um, so I think it's just, again, like I think it's to your point of where you're playing. So... I don't know. I guess it depends. I guess it depends on like how much you trust in your ability to explain yourself and or that's fair and or like how much you can trust that how much you can tell other people to trust because like, you know, Tulane, Tulane, Prosh, Animar to some extent, there's like certain commanders that when they're just out, they're just brutal. And it's very like it would be very hard. The tracks is one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it'd, be, for sure. it'd be very hard to build a bad prosh deck. Right. And you like you if you if I brought a prospect to a table or if someone brought a prospect to a table and like, trust me, this is bad. This is a precon. I'd be like, OK, it's still prosh. You got to give me more than that. Right. So I think if yeah. you want to build a commander that works, like, for example, again, with Zer with the cycling, you have to you sit down and be like, OK, I know Zer is scary. This is a cycling deck. It's that's how it is. Right. And then if you sit down and people are like, yeah, OK, whatever. And then you get knocked out. Then you're just like, OK, fine. Right. Go play another game. Yeah, um, sure. But if you can find the group where they're like, OK, cool, we'll let you see what you're doing, especially if you're like helping them out or, you know, politicking a little bit here and there. So um, also kind of a waffle answer. I vote. I vote if you want to build a commander and you want to build it a way that you want to meta should dictate that. 
Well, you know what? I, I agree. It leans back into how effective of a communicator you are. Mm-hmm. And you and I, all four of us, we talk about the game a lot. We think about the mm-hmm. game a lot. We prepare notes for the game a lot because this is what we do. But right. by and large, the vast majority, like 90% <laughs> plus of Commander yeah. Magic the Gathering players are, you know, shy, introverted, right. young, not used to being in group settings whatever the reason they're not very good communicators maybe they're just assholes like maybe they're just (laughs) maybe they're just jerks that just don't like interacting with people but they like playing with magic because they want to feel smarter than people but right yeah most people are just not very good at that so they're just Mm -hmm. like oh don't worry but it's not that Chulain deck or it's not that Zerdeck, right? And that's all they say. Well, and you know what's funny about that, Ryan? And then I'll pass it over to Squee to get your your thoughts, and I'll go last. Is literally what you just described happened to me at what we we call our CMD Tower takeovers with, with our sponsor, Level One. Mm-hmm. Um, this happened, I, I guess, like four months ago. Tuck, Squee, our entire CMD Tower crew, we we call them the collective. Yeah. Uh, they were all there. I sit down. You know, I'm, I'm trying to play with like you know the fans that come out or just the random dude bros that walked by and Subway and they're like oh what's going on in here uh, just trying to you know hang out with some people so I go over to a table introduce myself yeah you know I'd love to play with you guys so I sit down and I think I sat down with my Pelucranos deck that literally Ryan it was a Hogak deck that uh, Jimmy Wong had debuted on game nights and I did a few tweaks and Hogak is just sucks it's not good so I literally did a commander swap just put Pelucranos in and I'm like oh, let's just see what this jank piece of crap can do and so I sat down kind of told him what my deck does the guy's like yeah i'm playing tattoo of it i'm like or no sorry i said what kind of power level are we playing here he's like well, I, I don't really know like what kind of power level are you playing and it's like i mean you know this deck right here it's like a six and a half a seven tops not very good uh, i'm sure there's some random jake combo in there that i don't know of but here's what literally what i did and the guy's playing a tatiova deck and i'm like oh tatiova what's your power level and he's like well i don't want to tell you and it's like no well come f- here Sorry, yeah, yeah. and it's like to beat that. It was upsetting for all. Oh, yeah, all. Ryan, it, it gets way worse because, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, are you running a lot of infinite combos? Well, I don't want to tell you that. Are you running a lot of extra turns? Why? I, I don't want to tell you that. I mean, I'm just telling you, like, the deck just kind of plays as it is. It's not going to, like, win really quick or stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll trust you on face that you think that your deck's like, because he basically described it as a middle tier deck. I sit down, the dude infinite comboed, I think on turn three or four, and uh, just started taking infinite extra turns, bouncing all of my permanents specifically, and after I think the third extra turn, I was, because he just kept Nexus of Fate looping, I was like, you know what, man, and we have a rule in our playgroup, I don't know about your playgroup, you can only concede at sorcery speed. I said, F that, I'm done. I scooped up my cards and so i went to go play at another table and then he kept coming over trying to like explain and apologize himself he kept saying i'm sorry but it's not that competitive of a deck and oh my god it just set me on tilt so anyways squee uh should you pick your commander per your meta what do you think absolutely um on this front i think you absolutely pick your commander on your meta because that's who you're going to be playing with the most uh However, with a caveat, and we'll get into this in other topics too, but uh, I do not believe that you pick your commander and then pick a bunch of specific things within that deck because you have a lot of variants in the 99 you can work with. So you'll pick a commander, and we've even seen it in our groups, as we aforementioned, like 
people will say, hey, I want to build this commander, so I'd appreciate it if nobody else did because we don't need a bunch of this same deck yeah. running rampant in this group. Right, so, right. I mean, I think that's healthy for the meta. I think it's healthy for your group that you play with the most to, to have a, an idea of what decks are out there. Uh, the other thing I'll say about that, kind of going to your story about uh, playing at level one, once you get outside of your meta, honestly, I put all guards up. I'm 100% just like... <laughs> Walking down a shady street alley and just like, I don't know what's going to happen here. It could be weird. It could be bad. So I put a mental block and a mental blinder on myself to just be like, all right, if I lose in a horrific fashion, I was out and about. I was playing with commandos. That's what you get. I picked up syphilis. It's fine. (laughs) Claps and snaps. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to get. Like, that happened to be at MTG Fest also in OKC. Like, I just got absolutely wrecked out of nowhere from what I was assuming to be a similar power level. Mm. But, you know, afterwards, you know, just kind of walk away and I just got to, like, calm myself down and just just see it from an outside perspective. And, And as you said, Ryan, like, communication these are people playing at Magic at a, a Friday Night Magic or at a Magic Fest that have never talked before, never interacted, don't know each other's kind of, you know, how you act and how you play and your style. And Generally like not play. for prizes, I'll add that. Yeah, right. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you're not playing for prizes, you're playing more for, like, prizes. I'm playing for pink slips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, at, at, those, at those, it's more of a pride thing to say that my deck went and it, it beat the hell out of some randos, so... You know, I just, I, I, I think absolutely you build your commander around your meta. Don't build your whole deck around your meta. And then when you get out in the wild, take a, an, an honest look at it and be like, well, I might get wrecked. I might yeah. not. Hmm. Interesting. So I'm actually more in line with Tuck. Tuck and I are very much along the same mindset. We, we Ryan, build our decks very top down. Very much the commander is the theme of the deck. It's not like the deck doesn't work without them. It just works a billion times better with them. So I'm actually one to where I say you do not pick your commander to your meta because I also have 40 decks. If I just kept picking specific commanders that dealt with our meta, I'd probably only have six decks Mm -hmm. and I would never be able to branch out. And so I like the weird janky legends or the weird brews that you can put together in commander because we have so many legendary creatures that we have access to but there's probably over a thousand i would oh, guess yeah. just randomly um that you could probably use and then when commander we'll legends episode 1000 of the weather <laughs> report yeah well and the commander <laughs> legends is going to come out and they're going to print a thousand new commanders in oh, that gosh, probably yeah. uh because they they've done all the reprints that they can uh, um so that's kind of where i'm at because i think you should build a deck that is fun for you and you can, you know, like I literally, you know, Ryan, I threw together, kind of challenged everyone to a budget deck challenge. So I threw together like a Niv-Mizzet deck that's like $33 or 30 bucks. And it's obviously not very good, very low powered. So if I ever, you know, went to a Magic Fest, I'll probably bring it. And if someone's like, yeah, I'm playing with a pre-con, it's like, okay, I'm going to bring this out. Because even my SRAM vehicle tribal deck would probably just hose them because it just has really good cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely think you build a deck as you want to build the deck 
And if it just so happens that you are a spiky player, like we have someone in our play group that doesn't play a lot. They're a legacy player. Yeah. Uh, his name shall not be named Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, he, he, he has a Marin deck that he has started to get back into magic and it's just getting filthier and filthier. And he is the quintessential spike. Yeah. And I think that's okay. You, he can sit down with his spiky ass deck. Cause you know what, Ryan, a spiky player can't do. They can't take three V one. If all three yeah, people uh, tag up on the, the, the very, very good deck, even and Tyler doesn't ever mislead, but even if that happens in a magic fest and you sit down and someone's like, Oh, I don't have a competitive deck. And they just like extra turn on turn two. It's like, okay, you other two, them yeah use that edit button <laughs> them and go ahead and just push their shit in yeah. and make them weep because you know what if you don't i think everyone should have two or three decks because commander you know a pre-con's 40 bucks so it's not that big of a deal to have a very low power deck but if the only thing you have is power decks and you kind of force yourself into non-powerful groups then that's on you but i think you should build however you want and you deal with the consequences as they come yeah, yeah you know what like there's i i could do a whole episode of just building what you want to build and taking the concert i could do a whole series on that of <laughs> building what you want to build because you want to play what's fun to you but then suffering the consequences right yeah and you can yeah build whatever you want i'm not saying don't build whatever you want just make sure you're communicating what you want yep. yeah, yeah make sure right. you're communicating what the play experience that you want is so if somebody sits down they're playing lord of Tressorhorn like i do so often it's so terrible <laughs> and and uh, okay you're playing that deck you know what i don't think that's going to be right i'm going to go find another table oh shit yeah. there's no other tables oh okay let me just switch decks it's not about right. hosing whatever they're playing again i sound sure. like a broken record i'm sorry but it's about having an experience that matches your opponents and an expectation yeah. that matches the experience follows the expectation yeah good point Fair, fair enough. All right. Next topic. Should you add hate cards for particular decks or players in your meta? So, for example, Joey Schultz is in your meta, and you're like, you know what? He's in here, so every white deck is going to have a rest in peace. Not because it's good for the deck, just because I know it hoses their Guilty. strategy. So, Big Tuck, why don't you start this one off? Do you think you should just add in hate cards for particular decks and players in your meta? No. <laughs> uh, no, it's a waste of time. And like, and like, here's the thing. Here's I have the a thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I have a hard enough time managing upgrades and just what cards are in the decks I own already. Let alone yeah. thinking of like, oh man, can't wait to put this card in here to screw Nathan. Really gonna stick it to him. <laughs> Like, I think it goes back to my original point of like, if you feel that if you feel that your deck is weak to a deck or a play style, it's not it's that is completely removed from the meta itself. Right. Like your meta may have more players of this play style. But guess what? Like we've talked about many times in our podcast, we are in a very non-red zone, very slow, drawn out play group right now. Right. And guess. Yeah. And guess what? I've also played against people who have those decks in non-Kansas City playgroups. So if you know that your deck is susceptible to graveyard hate or to, you know, glacial chasm or enchantments, right? Instead of building to hate out the people in your meta, 
build your deck better to handle those decks in general and those other you know um mm-hmm. tropes isn't the right words but like those deck styles Build your no, deck better, point. scrub. Yeah, get, and get, <laughs> get, get bent, scrub. So that's so that's 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 my personal opinion. Again, coming from a nomad. So there you have it. <laughs> Squee, what do you think? I got about ten seconds on this. Absolutely not. Don't do it. I have done it. It's not worth it. It sucks. It <laughs> makes magic really not fun. Uh, that's about it. Well, I think the biggest thing is with Commander, we play Singleton, unless you're playing Seven Dwarves or Persistent Petitioners. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, yeah, you put in like the, that Rest in Peace and a Bajookabog. Oh. What, what's your likelihood of actually seeing these? I put a Rest in Peace these? in my deck specifically to screw over a Marin deck, because that was what was going on in the meta at the time. And it worked great. And then he put a Spore Frog in specifically to screw over my deck. And then we get into these endless battles of, I've got 4,000 tokens. Well, I've got 4,000 life. And you saw and you suck, and this game's never gonna end. It was awful. Anyways, just don't do it. I got 4,000 uh, spore frogs. Yeah. <laughs> suck it, Mom. Uh, You're not my dad. So, You're not my dad. <laughs> so here's kind of actually where I'm at with this. Um, I, I am with Tuck. I would go bat shit if I actually try to keep up with what cards I put in what decks that hate on what people. But I think as you're building a deck and you're like, hey, this is my Aloro life gain deck. My one win con is Aetherflux Reservoir. And I know that uh, Ryan loves artifact removal. Like the dude just has a hard on for getting rid of artifacts. And so I think it's okay as you're building a deck to be like, you know what? I probably need to put in a Teferi's Protection. I probably need to put in a um, Avacyn Angel of Hope to give it indestructible. Maybe I need a, you know, XYZ card. I think it's fine to put two or three as you're building the deck. And I think, you know, as Tuck alluded to, whenever I first build a deck, I play it usually about 10 times in a row to get a feel for it, make your little tweaks, find out maybe what was kind of hurting you, like Tuck said. Um, But then after that, I mean, it just depends on how many decks you have. If you only have three or four decks, then I think it's perfectly fine to put in those hate cards against meta decks, not meta people. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like Tuck said, he has played against gross decks here in Kansas City. I'm sure if he went up to Saskatoon, he played some gross decks there. It doesn't matter where you move. There's always going to be a gross deck that's that archetype. So I think it's fine to protect yourself against an archetype. But a particular person, that that's just kind of... I don't know. I think that I'm not actually a big rule zero person, to be honest. I'm fine, like, saying what power levels and stuff are, but I'm not big on this, like, oh, I want everyone to be happy and have fun. Like, I think the best way to have fun is to have your deck do what it wants. And if you're a dick, like I am, and you're one of your decks is an Azorius lockdown deck, and you have fun by shutting everyone out of fun, then fine, you play it that one time. But, you know, if you're squee and having fun is making 7,000 tokens, go ahead and do it. Like, knock yourself out. So that would be perfect analogy for this, which I've done many times throughout my life in a lot of different things. So whenever you sit down to a game of Commander, you have a pizza, right? Oh, yeah. And some people, for me, for example, I have more fun if everyone gets to have a slice of the pizza, right? So I disagree. uh, Exactly. So there's some people like me where it's like, (laughs) I am more excited. I don't really, like, if I win, it's whatever. Like, I want to see my deck work. I want to see other people's deck works, right? Because it's a lot of effort to put these together, right? So Mm -hmm. for me, the fun fun experience is, like, we all get to have slices of the pizza, 
However, there's some people, like Mr. Combo, who the way that they enjoy themselves, which is completely valid, is they want to have the whole pizza to themselves and not well, share any stuff crust. Leave me alone. I'm a fat fuck. So that's, so, like, that's also <laughs> something to think about, right? So, for examples, when I play board games with my older brother, I have to know every rule. I have to know exactly what play I'm doing because all he wants to do is, like, win and go to the objective, right? He does not give a care about, like, what's going on in the game itself. And similarly, people, some people who play Magic, and this is very similar people who, like, are, who enjoy this in other places, like, winning to them is, like, tantamount to having fun or not. More times than not. So, mm-hmm. finding, yeah. finding those groups of people where they feel the same way about the, divi- the, the cutting up of the pizza is also critical to finding, like, a group and a place and a meta that you are comfortable and having fun in as well. Now, the one thing before I give it to Ryan to get his thoughts, I do have to defend myself. I do not just build CEDH decks. I build good decks. I agree, and I never said CEDH, but, so, you, but you do like winning but, quite but, a bit. No, I love exactly. to win. But, I want, but, but see, the thing is, though, when you talk about EDH and sitting down and I take the whole pizza, I think a lot of people in Commander, it's like, oh, you like to play competitive? You're CEDH. And I personally think there is a gap oh, between I, I like I to can, play good competitive and CEDH. I completely agree with you. I'm just saying that for, I'm just saying that for the airwaves. CEDH is built to only eat the entire pizza by yourself. That is, a, that is that And steal your credit yes. card. <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> Uh, well, Ryan, what do you think? Do you think you should be putting in hate cards for particular decks or players in your meta? Couple things. Good, good uh, CYA on the CEDH thing because you know that somebody would destroy you on Reddit saying, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh absolutely, guys, of course, right? of course." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to persistent persistent petitioners. Love the PP. Yeah. I'm I, bet, I, I, bet, I, I, bet, I bet you do, you Canuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking full credit for Brando's Seven Dwarves clone dot deck that you guys featured a couple weeks ago. 100%, I shit you not, 100% my idea, and I told him he could have it, and he was just vibrating with joy. So, vibrating, wow. I'm going to take sensual. all the credit for that. Absolutely, you should. Hard, hard, hard agree with metaing decks, not metaing against people. Yeah. Because yes, yeah. people can change the way they think, people can politic, people can switch decks, people are communicative. Sorry, I'm doing it again. Yep. A, a card, one card, does the same thing every single time you cast it, mm-hmm. by and large. So, yes, you can meta against decks. There's always going to be token decks. There's always going to be some kind of control deck. There's always going to be, you know, some kind of aggro deck, some punisher deck, some group hug deck. You can meta against all those things. And when we're talking about meta, we're not saying, like, Beast Within is a meta card because sure. it kills enchantments. Counterspell isn't a meta card. Terminate isn't a meta card because it kills creatures. Right, right, right. Creatures yeah. exist in every format at every power level and every strategy right meta cards are like knowledge pool you know what perfect example after theros beyond death came out 
Brando in like six of his decks just put in tranquility effects, like any ones he could find in any color that had them <laughs> because everybody wow. was super hard for enchantments and enchantress yeah, and extra sure. decks started popping up all over the place. Right. So he knew what cards he swapped out. He recorded that and is maybe bored on tapped out or whatever. Right. And then sure. kind of when the, when the enchantress decks kind of screwed off cause they were a little bit played out and Ikoria was coming out, he put back in his other stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's fine because that's going to, punish people for you know trying to get sneaky some bandwagon yeah, yeah well they're they're gonna try and get right. clever and say oh yeah i've got this replenish from when i played in like 2001 i got my replenish for like five dollars I'm going to play this enchantment deck now, right? Oh, yeah, really? You cast Replenish, I dare you, right? Right, right. So, okay. so I no, think that, that's that, that, that's Yeah, cool. Well, I, we're on to the last one, and this is the one that I, I have a lot of opinions on. But, Sweet, <laughs> you're going to start it off. All right. Does you manipulating to your meta depend on the number of total decks that you own? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and you both alluded to that earlier uh saying that you have 40 or 50 decks and it's impossible to adjust <laughs> all of them to a particular meta that you can't deal with the cards the organization i don't want to look at the spreadsheet of what you're trying to put in there it's going to be awful Sir. uh it's awful. so like a, a good example for this is uh i have five decks total and it would be very easy for me to go into my binder and hardcore adjust it to a meta or a player or whatever um Because that would take me, I don't know, maybe an hour to go through and pick the cards out and adjust my decks and do that. And I could do that every week. That's not a big deal. But if you're trying to do that against all the decks that you enjoy playing, if you have a bunch of them, that's very prohibitive to do so. So you could almost say if you're playing a smaller amount of decks, it's more advantageous because you have a, a higher knowledge base and accessibility to it. Whereas... If you're playing a bunch of decks, yeah, it's just almost impossible to do. So um, I think absolutely it makes a huge difference in how you build your decks. And we allude to it all the time in Bruise and Builds as well of, well, hell, I didn't even know what this deck needed or I didn't realize that card was in it or I forgot completely about this strategy that I had built in here because I haven't played this deck in six months. So, or I realized as I was putting the deck on tapped out, it only had 98 cards. <laughs> so you'll have the moment where you're like well absolutely i guess this deck's illegal and, and i shouldn't have been playing any of the games that i was in but no problem. Just, so yeah I, I would i would say that it makes it and just for the sake of shortening this uh section uh mr combo can you ask me the question real quick should you meta skill depending on the number of decks you own yes um (laughs) (laughs) so i I think big tuck and i are going to be in the same boat on this so but here's kind of my basic philosophy what's like the number one thing that commander players love to have in their decks and that our arch enemies over at uh command zone constantly talk about is redundancy Mm -hmm. Uh, we love redundancy you love to always have your 25 card draw and 25 ramp and all of this nonsense well think about it if you only have four or five decks, and for me, I think for me, the magic number was 10. 10 or less decks, I would meta scale. So if we had a lot of artifacts, I'd make sure my decks had the appropriate amount of artifact things to deal with because it was redundancy. Yep. No matter what deck I, I grab, agree. I'm going to be able to do that. But once I got above 10, and I, I you know, I might have been the 10 number, but now I'm at 40. 
it's impossible for right. me to have to, okay, I gotta make sure I have all the artifact things and all 40 of my decks. My eyes would bleed if and every your, time your our meta- would bleed. <laughs> Yeah, what already does. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> like, I was going to say, it how, bleeds could you, how could you possibly tell the difference? Why don't you tell me that, Sweet? <laughs> but no, like, my eyes would bleed if I had to go into all 40 of my decks every time our meta shifted one way or... Like, like me and Tuck constantly make fun of our playgroup, Ryan, and say they're a bunch of pillow fort pansies. Which they are, Because no to one be lives fair. in the red zone. Point of order, they, <laughs> are, they are indeed that. But think about it. That's only happened in the last 60 yeah. days. Before that, it was a lot of red zone. So if every two months I have to Same I had to change time. out 40 card or 40 decks worth of stuff just to deal with the meta, I would go crazy because the whole thing is when you're kind of scaling to your meta, you want to make sure no matter what deck you grab, you can at least generally handle with whatever issues your deck mm. has. So I am definitely one that, yes, it depends on the number of decks you own because, hell, even when I get a booster box, Ryan, oh my and gosh. I'm like, okay. It's exhausting. Here, I, I have I have like 11 <laughs> piles of one. It's not even like 11 piles of like six cards each. It's like one to two cards. And then I'm sitting there looking at tapped out, trying to find an effing slot for oh, this one yeah. card. And it, it takes me months. It's a nightmare. It's, it's, a, legit, it's a legitimate nightmare. Like, especially God help. Hey, hey, you put Especially God there. help you, you get a good booster box. Oh. It's, it's, it's Bedlam out there. Queue up next week's Action 4 <laughs> News. How many decks should you own so you can manage your stress level? <laughs> uh, so, Ryan, how do you, what, do you what, are, what are your thoughts on this? Should you be made of scaling depending on the number of decks you own? Well, you know what? Coming from a, a place of not like two decks and not 52 decks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, look, it's tough being on top. And to be fair, you can ask your guest Sheldon about his deck collection and his organization and its cost. Whoops. <laughs> He's really heated. Oh yeah. Well, what else? Is you know there? what? And, and not having 662 decks like cure for the common or cure for the common game, right? Yeah. Oh my God, his thing is ridiculous. But granted, he's never gonna play all of his decks. I think that's just a madman's thing. <laughs> he is laboratory maniac. Yeah, yeah. So I I float anywhere between 11 and 16 16 is too many decks so when, like when i build one and it's my 16th one i'm like okay yeah, this has got amen this has got to go away this this thing okay. i haven't played in months has got to go away i feel like that when i get to six <laughs> but you know what each deck exists on a range i'm i'm forced to constantly use this one to ten power scale because yeah. like, that's the culture of edh is oh what is it it's a seven. First yeah. of all seven is a fucking good deck Seven is yes. a good right. ass deck. It is. When somebody sits down, like they say a seven, my first response is, okay, what is it really? Because every deck's seven. My yeah, next, a seven could <laughs> pop off hard. My next, my next thing that comes out of my mouth is like, well, my deck's like a four. Oh, fours are pre-cons, <laughs> man. Don't you listen to Command Zone? No shade at Command Zone, but that's what people say. No, it's okay. We yeah, can shade yeah. on Command Zone all the time. And also, because this has been a retired bit, bringing it back. I'm coming for you, Jimmy. <laughs> Um, you know what? No shade to command zone, but it's a four. It's a pre-con. I'm like, okay, if you take a pre-con and you like put in a bunch of cards from like fallen empires and homelands, that's what my deck is. <laughs> so it's like a four minus. You ever get like a, you ever get like a B minus or a C minus? Yeah, this is a four yeah. minus. 
It's not no, no. It really, what it sounds like is like how in kindergarten your teacher would put stickers oh. on your thing instead of like a letter grade. So instead mm-hmm. of that, instead of Ryan that being like a hippopotamus, it's like a crying giraffe. Oh, <laughs> oh, my decks don't even get stickers. They don't even get stickers. So do I? Do I scale? Yes, I've got some stinkers, some threes and fours, or yeah. some that exist in what I interpret them to exist, like at the three or four point in the range. Yeah, I've got fives and sixes. Yeah, I've got eights, and yeah, I've got a couple that show up to ball. Like, so yeah, but not on purpose. Mm-hmm. If there's just going back to like a previous example, my Lord of Tressorhorn deck, it uses the, it, it uses the graveyard. So it's a little bit weak to the graveyard. It's playing a whole bunch of very underpowered cards that are from very bad sets that just have mm-hmm. like dies triggers. Sure. Like a six, a six mana when it dies, everybody loses three life <laughs> Like on a three, three. Yeah. It's like this card is not a commander <laughs> card and it synergizes with my commander, but that doesn't make it good. So I wanted to build that and that deck exists like at a three or four. That's fine. Right. And then inadvertently I have Animar and sure there's combos in it. And yeah, there's a lot of protection and hate and that just exists at like a nine or a 10. Sure. Yeah. Somewhere if, if generally I want to build every deck as a seven in air quotes, like, yeah, it's, that's, it just is going to happen that your, your arsenal of decks covers the spread eventually you know right. like if yeah. you're if you're brand new and you only have one or two decks no that that can't happen but yeah it's the same thing like do you do you add hate cards for particular metas well if you have one or two decks no you're just going to build the thing that your deck does right but as you get more experienced and as you build more decks you're going to learn oh there's lots of graveyard cards in my meta i'm going to put mm-hmm. a rest in peace in or what have you right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So over time, as a deck builder, you just evolve into not only the the number within your arsenal of decks, but also the ability to pick and choose what cards are added in to make them what power level you want them to exist at. Right. Well, and you know, and before we kind of move off of this topic, um, I do want to say I appreciate, Ryan, what you said earlier about Seven still being like a really good deck because that's honestly been my opinion. I think people throw like my deck's a Seven thinking like, oh, it's just slightly better than like a medium deck. Like, no, a Seven, like that's actually where I try to aim. I try to aim for every deck that I build to be a six and a half to an eight somewhere in there to where it is a very good deck, but I'm not like running 28 lands and chrome moxes and i'm just a degenerate scumbag an eight is a tight uh-huh. machine man like an eight is like a precision yeah, piece very, of equipment yeah. and like uh, if if we made a power scale of how synergistic and how tight our list was my lord of tressorhorn deck that i literally just called a three or a four i could also call my lord of tressorhorn the lord i could call him an eight based Mm -hmm. on synergy and how tight the list is every single card in there has an exact purpose and i know what it is and i know exactly what cards are in there (coughs) that that comes from experience that comes from having not too many decks from playing lots blah 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 but the power level based on the synergies that I built into it are just not very strong. So it's right. like, yeah. is it an eight or is it, a, is it a three? Do I average it and call it a seven and I three power level decks a seven? Like, that's why I say you can do an entire series of this. Every deck's a seven. Yeah. We did a CCO on it. Literally every deck's a seven. You can find some reason. And that's what people say. Well, well, and I think here's, I think it's a deeper uh, human thing of it to where you feel bad 
if you call your deck a five or a four, it's like calling your kid ugly. And so it's like, if I call it a seven, it's not, you know, maybe I'm buffing the power level a little bit higher or people look down on people that say that they have nines or tens. So it's like, oh, it's a seven. Seven just is this easy number that you can swallow. It's right in the middle. Uh, It's a C. You know what? I'm fine getting a C, uh, but I don't want to say I have an A because then people are going to look down on me. And I don't want to say I have an F or people are going to want to hold my hand because they know I need the help. The trick is you tell me you have an F, but you actually know how to build a deck. So even like a cursed tribal deck can squeak (laughs) out a win here or there. So that's a real, that's a real, that's a real next level deck. deck It's like like getting a C in college, but you get a really good high paying job because you're really good looking. Yeah. (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it. Well, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that. And that's going to wrap up What's the Plane Chase? Now in that last segment, Squeed dives into those creative juices with the weather Report. Welcome back to the Weatherlight Report, coming to you live from Weatherlight Chopper 4. Today, uh, we're talking sapling of Kolfenor. So three oh. colorless, hybrid, Golgari, times two, a legendary creature, tree folk shaman. Another so one. Sapling of Kolfenor is indestructible. Good start. Yeah. Uh, when sapling, or whenever sapling of Kolfenor attacks, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you gain life equal to that card's toughness, lose life to its power, <laughs> then put it into your hand. It's okay. a 2 five. So. Wow, $9. Dude, this card, cr- this nine. card I saw this for like four or five when I was and looking. And also, but, point of order, it is sapling... <laughs> Just in case you're trying sapling, to Google search it. I thought I heard a sapling out there, so I was like, oh, we're going yeah, there first. Yeah, wait, when you say sapling, it sounds like, oh, it sounds like even when I do it, sapling? Yeah, right, yeah. Sapling? That yeah, yeah, that. It's all one No, this card yes. is freaking yes. sweet! Yeah, so sapling Kofanor. So basically what we're going to do is try and finagle into having a literal ass ton of creatures in this deck. Everything you flip over is going to be beefy, and then you're going to gain life and lose life at the same time and take advantage of all of those triggers to kill everybody else. So, so uh, first card I wanted to talk about is Tree Folk Umbra. It is two yeah. colorless and a green yes. for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature, enchanted creature gets plus zero, plus two, and assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. And then it has totem armor. If enchanted creature would be destroyed, instead remove all damage from it and destroy this aura. So this deck's going to be full of creatures. You're going to be able to dump this onto anything that you bring out. Obviously, big butts are a thing in this deck. <laughs> so this is going to feed right into that because you're going to want to gain life, not lose as much life potentially. Uh, we may get into a little bit of that later. Ooh. But um, I thought this card was a really under-the-radar common pick that would work really well in this deck that may not necessarily work well in other decks. And the totem armor thing is just awesome. Yeah, I, I see this as people are going to want to remove... Well, I mean, I don't know. I was going to because your commander's already right. indestructible, so the totem armor doesn't really do anything. Yeah. But it does make your commander smash for seven command mm-hmm. damage, which well, that's, that, I mean, that's a three-turn clock. Like, as I was saying, this whole deck's creatures, so you're going to have good things coming out onto the board, and they're usually going to be creatures that are going to have a bigger butt than they are going to have a front. So this is going to make that bigger and then turn their bigger butt into an a, a offensive type of thing where you can go and attack with that. Big butts uh, are offensive. Yeah, offensive aren't they? There's no, there's no, there's no male, there's no Mupas to be seen in this deck. We don't need to get into Mupas, that. Huh? So R- Ryan, what do you think of tree folk Umbra? I think totem Umbra no, what is it called? Totem armor. Yeah, I think totem armor yeah. is <laughs> sick. Yeah, it, agreed. I, like I don't know if it 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 dissuades removal, of course, but it doesn't. It doesn't. 
replace itself right because you yeah. keep your creature after the the mm. removal spell targets your creature but it also dissuades people from targeting your creature in the first place right so if you've got an indestructible commandy in sapling of Kalfner, mm-hmm. and then you've got something else enchanted with the umbra nobody's going to target your stuff with anything until they can board wipe Right. Yeah, that's so fair. You can just get in. You can just swing your butt around every which way, getting in, and, getting in some extra damage, and wrath me. I dare you. My commander's not going to die, <laughs> and my guy's not going to die, and everybody else's yeah. stuff's going to die. So they're still going to get their value. But I mean, even if they do wrath, you still get. You still have both your creatures on the battlefield. So, yep. qu- quick quick question for the group, and then we can go to the next card. This is only present in 562 decks on EDH Rec. I feel like Tree Folk Umbra should be present in more green stompy decks than clearly it is. Would you guys for agree sure. with that? I, think it, it, I would, yeah, absolutely, because you put it on your biggest stompy creature, and then that it, that's a that's at least a two-turn life cycle for that. If somebody tries to wipe, it comes back. They have to wipe again or target removal it. So, yeah, I would It should agree. be played in way more Arcades decks like it is in mine, because it turns your commander into something that is going to be beaten face so wow it's only in 6.92 percent of our decks blasphemy wow it's been uh, uh thrown also that I, I didn't get fodder. to do this bit because you guys shuffled past it too quickly um you said like Good. swinging your butt left right and center and i was gonna be like yeah me at the cl- like me at the club nailed it all right uh so next card i wanted to talk about is going to be a artifact that'll help you get all of this stuff out onto the board so it's bantu's monument three colorless legendary artifact black creature spells you cast cost one less to cast and whenever you cast a creature spell each opponent loses one life and you two dollars this is feeding into you yeah (laughs) i mean it's an uncommon for two bucks, yeah, that's a little pricey, but it's a good yeah. card, and a lot of people play black in, in a lot of different kind of decks, so I could see it working very well in a lot of different places. But I, I, uh, bet you, I bet you a lot of those monuments are probably spiked. I just don't think commander players realize how good they were. Oh, they're I so completely good. agree. Like, so I remember open, like, I drafted a lot of Omnicat back when I was an idiot, and um, like, I remember opening this and being like, all right, I guess I'll just put this, in, I'll put this in the chat, <laughs> right? But like, all these monuments are so solid, like. Even in multi, like there's some, there's some that are like even value in non mono colors, right? And like this is kind of one of them where it's yeah. like, I mean, I run them all in my slipper yeah, deck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, they're great. They help you cast things, and then the 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 loss of life and the gain of life just makes everything great. Because mm-hmm. I won't talk about them in here. There'll be other cards I'll talk about less under the radar. But say your sanguine bonds and your like those type of things, they all feed into this this whole theme right. of this deck. Where you're losing and gaining life, and people are getting penalized for that. And then this As they being a creature be. heavy deck is also penalizing people for every time you see a creature, it goes to your hand, and then you put it on. Um, and also, t- I think the mana discount because like you can run this deck as like a Voltron deck a lot of times, right? And like just mm-hmm. getting that mana discount is gonna be able to get it out like a turn earlier. So still right. very, very, very valuable. And don't forget, and not negligible, not really what we're talking about, but. It is legendary. All the monuments are legendary, so you can find them with Captain Sisse, Sisse Weatherlight Captain, Thalia's Lancers. They search for legendaries. Oh, yep. sure. So, so not specifically creatures, mm-hmm. but Bantu's Monument, super slick. I use it as an alternate win con in a deck that plays the like a like a grave crawler combo, right? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. That's, that's you really people combo Grave Crawler with like a sack outlet. I'm combining uh-huh. with a cast outlet. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's kind of that's, that's unique. It. It's like, I like it. that. All right. So, uh, third card I'm going to talk about is a common, <gasps> just like Tree Folk Umbra. Oh, I thought uh, you were talking so, about the rapper. But, um, <laughs> uh, rapper slash. Yes, actor thank you. Thank slash, you. Slash advocate, <laughs> potentially. Sure. I don't know. Uh, so it's Epicure of Blood, four colorless and a black creature vampire from M20. Whenever you gain life, each opponent loses one life. It's a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. This, in this deck, is an absolute monster because you're gaining life off of everybody's butt Literally. every time you attack and flip over a card. But it's just each opponent loses one life. They aren't going to lose nine life if you gain nine life. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. But once again, the the thing that Black does really well, and if you're really going into this whole when I do a thing, I'm gonna drip. We we, we kind of talk about it, Ryan, as drips and drabs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this deck seems like you could definitely build it as a drips and drabs decks with those types of effects. Yep. But then you do have these big, beefy, chesty, booty creatures that could go smashy face. And those drips and drabs maybe were only seven through the game, but then I'm gonna hit you for fourteen yeah. with my big dudes. I mean, that's 21 damage that I just did on my own, not accounting for my three other opponents. Yeah, that's right. Get your chip-ins, kids. And also, most importantly, (laughs) this card does not die to Victim of Night, which is an EDH all-star. So, and severely underplayed. (laughs) Victim of Night? It's awesome. Two black-black, destroy target, non-vampire, non-werewolf, non-zombie creature. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wow. How, how beautifully, clearly I planned for that. I metagamed you on that there you go. and put this into the deck. So suck it. Yeah. Um, so the suck last it. card I wanted to talk about is the most hilarious of the bunch. Oh. It is Villas, Broker of Blood. It's from oh, the as well. Five colors, three black, legendary oh, creature demon flying. One black, pay two life, target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Whatever. Whenever you lose life, draw that many cards. It's in Wow, and he's only a dollar seventy nine now? It used to be like eight. Gross. <laughs> you throw this in there, and every time you're flipping over creatures, you're drawing as many cards as you can imagine. Well, almost. I, I think, Tuck, initially, there was like a small window in uh, Constructed yeah. where people thought they could make him work. And then they're like, oh, he and cast, then they he cast no. six in non-commander, so that ain't up. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Let me I'm get back that up. He costs eight, eight in non-commander. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but I, I mean, that card does so much work. Um, I run it in a couple decks just because EDH, we could do big, big, uh, as, uh, Ryan and Brando would say, big daddy black mana. Sure. Um, yeah. and they just, they love, they love Villas. I love oh. Villas. I love all of the big black creature. I love these combo creatures that, you know, they're all just kind of different permutations of the same type of thing. Right. And this one is kind of like uh, Crick, son of Yogmoth, and you could yeah. lump in all the aristocrats, black commanders in here, and Sir Conrad, and all of them. Like they kind of all do the the gain life, lose life, kill your guy, draw a card type. Sure. Thing. 
I like these big, big ones. Uh, Razaketh is another one, right? And, of course, with Villas and with Razaketh, there's a lot of combos, sacrifice creatures or minus creatures to draw cards or tutor libraries. Lots of stuff to do, lots of play in there. It's it's a shame kind of that the the main combos with Villas and with Razaketh are kind of boiled down to, like, running 13 black tutors to, and buried alive yeah, right, yeah. to reanimate and then do it on turn one. Like, it's kind of too bad because... You you know, a big 8-8 flying guy that's just going to, like, fist you to death. Yeah, just, just it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool card, right? Like, I want to be this guy. He's cool. Yeah. It's got horns. And I do him. have a bit. I have a bit that Ryan can steal since he created Big Daddy Black. You could say that you're a BBC fan. Big black creatures. Oh! <laughs> yes, please. Get it. Yes. Oh man, you know what? You know what that sounds like? <laughs> I think, I think what that so. sounds like is me having a panic attack while oh, I'm editing man. this episode. If I leave that in or if I take it. Uh, oh, this man. also sounds like this also sounds like record record late night, eleven o'clock Central Standard Time for our oh, podcast. Man. So. Oh man, you you know the jokes we make on CCO, right? We find different things oh, that yeah. start with C, yeah. and we say that we're still CCO. Well. This could be BBCCO. Oh, wow, man. <laughs> oh, man. So I got one last thing to say on this. Like, these creatures, my cat also is black in coloring. So I think there's like a, a song that I could potentially sing to these cards too, which goes a little something like, oh, it's just a big old baby cat. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Uh, wow. But one card you should consider for this deck uh, collective, if you guys are listening. I, I, I was about to say at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. But you can listen whatever you want. Yeah. That's the magic yeah. of the internet uh, is one of my favorite cards. It's a big tuck special. It's not budget. <laughs> Tree of Partition. Oh, yeah. oh yes, of Amazing in this of deck. Course. Three colorless black. Creature plant defender. It's a mythic for $7 to $13 Come depending on, if you seriously? want to get on Card Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Um, and it says tap, exchange target opponent's life total with Tree of Perdition's toughness. The reason it works great in this deck for everyone out there is that when you reveal it with your commander you you lose zero life but you gain 13 yep. so that's that's pretty nice and it's a big butt and you could potentially get that triska decaphobia kill which uh i know we all long for we yeah. yearn we yearn, we yearn, we yearn yeah no that's that's a great add into this and i did look at that but i mean yeah like seven to ten bucks it's absurd because the other the other trick like, the other tree where you like swap life totals with it or something is like nothing it's not even good enough to be yeah, an arcade. Tree of Redemption? <laughs> what a farce. Tree of, tree of Redemption is, is the budget tree of perdition, right? Sort of. Sort of. Uh, yes, yes it is. It's the green one. It's two bucks. You know what happened? Uh, I have, I don't remember if it was at my LGS or if I just heard this randomly on the internet, but you could believe either story. Pick your own adventure. In, in what set was it in? M25. They put it in M25 as a mythic. Yeah. Right? The, the tree mm -hmm. of redemption. And if you cracked one in your pre-release draft pack, you could just trade it in for a new pack. No, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you are 100% right because there's another thing. So that's true. And then um, Comet Storm was also reprinted in Modern Masters. Uh, or uh, Comet Storm was reprinted in something. I think it was Modern Masters 25. And it was the same thing where it's like, there's another spell that was like Comet Storm where if you open one, they're like, okay, we'll just give you a new pack. <laughs> it, was like a it was like a $10 or $15 pack and you could like trade it in for another one. That's pretty yeah. funny. 
Alright, well I love it. And that that's all I had on this deck. Uh it, it could be fun to mess around with that stuff and losing life and gaining life and, and penalizing people for that. But uh other than that, I'll kick it back to the Action Ford news desk with uh Mr. Combo, Big Tuck, and Ryan. Thanks for staying with us, and as always, remember those great giveaways from CMD Tower and Level 1 Game Shop by retweeting, subscribing, following, liking, sharing, and placing orders through level1gameshop.com. Also, another way to support your new Steam Ascent Over Tour, Patreon. Patreon.com slash CMD Tower. With reward tiers for all the budgets, there is a way that you, the collective, can help. You can stay in touch with your MTG Action 4 new team by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and our website, cmdeek.com. Yes. You can communicate directly <laughs> with your news team at CMD Tower, at Mr. Common Number 5, all spelled out except for the 5, at Dear Sweet, at Big Tuck Tweeting, at CAD Popcast, at CCO Podcast. From your MTG Action 4 news team, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and thank God we're going to bed. Yeah. <laughs>